Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaSports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There's a strong link between sports and medicine. If you're not at the top of your medical game, you can't play well, or you just can't play. Welcome to Bruce the Sports Doc with medical expert Dr. Bruce Grossinger. This program looks at advances and breakthroughs in medicine and how it relates to sports. Plus, you'll receive preventative tips and analysis of sports injuries this week. Now, here's Bruce the Sports Doc. Welcome to the newest edition of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger, and I'm here with Spedger the Wizard. I want to start this show by uh, dealing with a very difficult subject, which is the bombing at the Boston Marathon on Monday. At the time this show is going to air, there are three reported dead, scores of people injured, many with injuries to the with blast injuries to the legs and feet, many of whom lost limbs. So I think it's appropriate now to say our prayers for the dead and also to pray for the well-being of the injured as well. This show is going to deal with the current events of the time as well as a segment on sports medicine. I want to start off with a master's recap. I want to ask you, Spencer, about your thoughts about the first Australian, Adam Scott, slipping on the green jacket. Well, before I go into the Masters, I think it would be appropriate to to just um, um, just repeat what you just said about the uh, Boston Marathon and just how horrible of a tragedy to go home and read about innocent people dying or getting injured just by going to a sporting event and just how people can do that is just uh it's puzzling and unthinkable and they they don't deserve that in the least and my prayers go out to the families of the victims with respect to the masters uh sunday was a very exciting final round you had adam scott and angel cabrera going toe-to-toe um, in the playoffs and we remember recently Adam Scott had a four stroke lead at the British Open and uh, he couldn't close the deal he bogeyed the last four holes and ended up losing the Ernie L's so he pretty much lost that British Open and Adam Scott has been in contention a couple of other times especially at the Masters a couple of years ago we actually had Day and Scott two Australians who played really well the final day of the Masters but Charles Schwartzel ended up just outdoing their greatness and winning um, two years ago. So for Adam Scott, this was a long time coming. He's always been, uh, he's won a lot of tournaments like the Memorial. I think he might have won Sawgrass one year. Adam Scott has definitely been a prominent golfer, um, in the golfing community and his name has really been up there. Um, with the long putter and his caddy, um, Steve Williams, he's really researched his game in the last couple of years to new heights and has become an elite player after slipping in the mid-2000s. So Scott, overall, is one of the best players to never win a major. So for him, I found myself kind of pulling for Adam Scott because he hasn't tasted greatness. And we know how clutch Angel Cabrera is as he's already won a Masters championship in a playoff three years ago over Kenny Perry and uh and one other um in in 2010 i believe and he also won a u.s open where he he actually beat tiger woods in the final pairing he held him off so on hell is fearless um but adam scott um it looked like um it was his time yesterday and it was just so great to see an australian finally win a master's championship and um 
no other man is is better deserving um, to fit that billing than Adam Scott, one of the classiest guys in all of golf. He's been patient and he's waited his time um, for this big moment. So kudos to Adam. And uh, even without Tiger Woods, I'd say it was a very compelling Masters. And Bruce, what did you think about the finish? And uh, what was your reaction watching it Sunday? Well, it never fails that Master Sunday, the family's together, clustered around the television set, and of all the tournaments, this tournament just produces the most drama. The back nine at Augusta, so many lead changes in every year. You just think, how could they possibly continue this? But the Masters this year was one of the most exciting ever. Angel Cabrera did everything but win. He missed a chip-in by a millimeter. He missed a putt that was going right for the hole and just hung on the side of the cup. And it just, it was, it was amazing to watch that. And also, one of the most brilliant shots of the tournament, Angel Cabrera, in the rain, there with his son as a caddy. You know, burning the 18th hole is very difficult, especially when you have to, to tie. And he hit a shot dead on with just a tap-in for birdie. So the drama leading up to the playoff was really spectacular. But the playoff itself, I was, I was just marveling at, you know, obviously the 18th hole, they both parted. But the 10th hole, you look at Angel Cabrera. This is a 495-yard par-4. Spencer, Cabrera hit an iron, and he had a 205-yard shot in. So you got a guy who's 44 years old, Wet conditions, the way they mow the lawn at Augusta is very interesting. With The grain is always towards you on the drive. So it's beyond me. I mean, there, there had to have been some wind, but how did he hit an iron 300 yards? And the, the, the drama leading up to Adam Scott, who I think it's fitting that he, that he had problems putting. You know, Most people don't select a long putter because they're putting well. And many of the pros... They're used to putting with a short putter, but Adam Scott has been using a log putter, and that, and he's always been great from tee to green. And it's only fitting that 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 the winning putt was a Ted footer, not an easy putt at all. And just to see the emotion of first Australian win, and also the fact that he could celebrate the win with his dad, who was present there, was really special. So it was moving. And I, I, I root for the underdog in most sporting events. In this case, it's the guy who hadn't worn the green jacket. But Angel Cabrera was classy as ever in, uh, in defeat and through a translator expressed, uh, a, a, a lot of caring for Adam Scott. They, they've, they've partnered together on European teams. They've played a lot of matches and just a classy gentleman. And just to see those two warriors with the sun setting, the rain coming down, and just to be able to watch that with the family, something we look forward to every year, and, and there's just something special about the Masters. Yeah, so many times in this tournament, you, you really hope for a golfer to go out and win the tournament and not lose the tournament. And in this tournament, both players were playing absolutely spectacular. I mean, you looked at um, Adam Scott, and we were all huddling around, my father and, and even family friends. And this Masters could well be described because uh, I'm even going to give a shout-out to my friend Wes Kaminsky. Uh, he'll tell you he's not even the biggest golfer himself. He plays a couple times a year if he's lucky to get out he's mostly a tennis phenom but he hadn't really watched any golf tournaments and he was even getting out of his seat going crazy for Adam Scott and Angel Cabrera and that just says a lot about how golf was yesterday at the Masters you know you had the uh, the Tiger Woods um, controversy which we'll go into maybe in the second segment of our show but the, the Masters really finished up well yesterday, and you had Adam Scott in the rain from 20 feet. You're thinking, 
Ah, uh, this is going to be a playoff. Angel's going to par the 18th hole, and Scott's going to two-putt this this 20-footer. And then you see Scott roll the putt down the hill. You're like, this baby has a chance. And then it hangs on to the left side of the cup, rattles home. Scott goes into a double fist pump, putter in the air, tears swelling from his face. He even says, come on, Aussie. And the crowd just erupts, and you're thinking, that's Sports Illustrated right there. That's it finish see ya Cabrera hears this it's in the rain he has the toughest hole of the course in front of him you're thinking it's good night Adam Scott it's his time and he's done it but then suddenly Angel Cabrera strikes a drive and it hits an absolute dart to two feet and taps in for birdie I mean, absolutely unbelievable golf by Cabrera. The guy just is numb to pressure. I mean, this dude's out here with his son. He hit that shot like he was hitting it in his backyard in Argentina. He was hitting that shot like he was just there with his kid. He didn't care at all that this was the Masters, that there were millions of people watching this tournament around the world. The guy literally had ice water running through his veins. Even at 17 and at 18, he missed his putt and his chipping by millimeters as you said it went around the cup and each time like you just like flinched in your seat because you're like how did that miss you cringed at, at the sight of that ball just not falling for Cabrera and you're thinking like hey maybe the golf gods are really with Adam Scott because Cabrera couldn't have played couldn't have challenged Scott any better and it was just a dogfight to the very end and both guys were just playing absolutely lights out so just a phenomenal ending um, to this Masters and to tell you the truth like through the final round Sunday you, you had Tiger and you were looking for him to make a surge you had Brent Snedeker um, Brent Snedeker excuse me um, he just couldn't really get things going uh, you thought he could be in the mix come uh, come f um, final hole time and then you had Jason Day get off to a hot start um, but really the ending capped off the final round so so Bruce what were your uh, opinions on the final round and did you think that the ending was a lot more exciting than the majority of the final round well I know you want to hear the answer I hope the listeners care as well but we're, the end, we're at the end of the first segment. We want to thank all the listeners to Bruce the Sports Doc on voiceamerica.com. We'll be back in three minutes. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injury. Injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Ready for in-your-face sports? Want to talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about? Either because they're too scared to touch them or just don't think it's the way to go. You're not going to be shy here. Tune in to Here's the Deal with Mega and Steel, featuring Ike Mega Griffin and Sydney Steel Justice. We've got the facts to back up the talk and invite you to join us every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, just before the weekend on the Voice America Sports Channel. We tell it like it is. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You 
are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the second edition of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger. And I want to thank Ray Ellis and Jeff Spinard, respectively our director and president of the network at voiceamerica.com. I feel responsibility as, as the doctor and the sports doc to, um, to give you an update. Again, just to be clear, I'm talking midnight Eastern Standard Time Monday night. That's when the show, uh, that's where we're recording the show in advance you're listening to this on Tuesday afternoon. And I'd like to give you a medical update. There have been three killed at the blasts, the two blasts at the Boston Marathon. Tragically, one is an eight-year-old boy. And this harkens back, for me, to the shooting in Tucson, where Dallas Green's grandchild, his granddaughter, tragically killed. So... These are senseless killings, and for children to be involved is just tragic. There is also a young woman who is identified to be among the dead, and there is a doctor who is on scene. His name is Dr. Alan Panter. As we're going to air, he told CNN that he was standing about 20 to 25 feet away from the blast. So essentially there, there was a wall of people, and just by chance, Six or seven people in front of him were hit by the blast, and he immediately went to give first aid. One thing about Boston, uh, the, the town is rallying around in the face of this tragedy. There are many hotels right near the marathon site. Imagine all these runners. Uh, the, the air travel has been cut off, and they're essentially trapped in the city. And the people of Boston are rising to the occasion. So... Uh, On Twitter, I've been reading a lot that the the residents of Boston are welcoming any runner to come in and stay overnight. Okay, they're opening their arms to the runners. And that's, in the face of tragedy, a beautiful thing. Hotels right around the area are offering free room and board to any runners just to get them out and give them some shelter during this time. So the thing about America is we're a great country, we're a resilient country, and and I like the president's words that, was very forceful. He's going to find the person or people that were responsible, and he's going to mete out swift justice. So my, my emotions are really swirling um, as, I, as I discuss this. Uh, there's a sense of sadness and tragedy. One of my best friend's daughters was lucky enough just to have pulled out of the race right before the race, and one of the girls she was going to run with from Boston College was actually injured and has a lower leg injury. We don't know the extent of her injuries. But my, my friend John was at church tonight lighting candles in prayer. And um, so while this show is often festive and, and sports-oriented, uh, we, we're talking about sports medicine here. With respect to blast injuries, unfortunately, I've, I've had uh, experience studying this, especially with respect to the brain. It appears that this bomb had a very low trajectory in the sense that, that most of the injuries were to the legs. There were, um, there were limbs, one or more, that, that were affected, and uh, tragedies throughout. Boston is one of the shining stars for medical care. Mass General Hospital, Harvard University, Brigham Women's Hospital. All these hospitals are immediately, uh, immediately responded to the tragedy. At Mass General Hospital, a team which is usually 15 doctors immediately became 60 doctors as they all, and people in my profession, rallied together to help out. So I'm really proud of the response of the citizens of Boston as well as the fact that they're in one of the best medical cities in the world. And we're just praying that for, for the survival of many of the critically injured people. So having said that, we're going to continue our discussion of the follow-up to the Masters. And there were two controversial points with respect to rules decisions. Usually the uh, 
when you watch a tournament, you don't really look about penalties and disqualifications. That just doesn't come to play. But in this case, two of the most intriguing figures in the Masters, that is Tiger Woods and the young 14-year-old boy from China, were both involved in controversial decisions. Spencer, I know you watch this carefully. Let's talk to the listeners about your opinion about the two penalties that were called on the two famous golfers. Well, first, um, with the with the Tiger Woods penalty that was uh, issued to him, uh, he illegally dropped a ball two yards um, behind where he was supposed to drop it. And with the direction that he's supposed to drop the golf ball, he had to drop the golf ball exactly in the same spot because there happened to be uh, a water hazard directly in front of Tiger. And by moving the ball back, he would have more space to hit a shot. He would be able to take a uh, a bigger backswing, and uh, he'd be able to have more green to work with than, be, than being right next to the creek. So even moving it up closer to the water, in golf you want to be back farther, actually, and have more of a shot so you can see the green better instead of just seeing the blue water um, that is that is at Augusta on the 15th hole and Tiger on this 15th hole he actually had one of the unluckiest shots that I've ever seen watching golf he hit the flag stick on the par 5 with his uh, I think it was maybe his third shot and it ricocheted off the flag stick and went back into the water hazard so Tiger Woods um, he was not actually aware that he was doing an illegal drop and uh, he, he said he purposely wanted to drop the ball back, of course, to give him more room. But he thought that the drop just had to be in the vicinity of where his golf ball was supposed to be. He thought he had a little bit of flexibility with the drop. But at Augusta, the Masters is a tournament run privately by just the Masters group. It is not a United States Golf Association run golf tournament. So there is not officials on every hole. And Augusta has certain quirks about it. It's a private golf tournament. Um the 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 fans are more exclusive than other golf tournaments. Augusta is a really private country club. It's almost impossible to get to know a member to play there. So basically Augusta National is pretty much unlike any other golf experience in the world and they have very few rules people on site because at the Masters their theory is that golfers should know the rule book and they trust and they like the scarcity if that's a word they like how scarce the, the, go- the scarcity the scarcity exactly they like how scarce it is and how sacred it is so they don't want to be bombarded with officials at the Masters so at Augusta, the, the thing that puzzles me is so Tiger Woods came into the clubhouse to sign a scorecard like a golfer does after any round. And the, uh, and the officials told him, you know, Tiger, you had a perfectly good round. And they reviewed how he dropped the ball because they do have cameras. So before Tiger was even done, they had two hours to review um, before he finished uh, whether uh, or not his round was, was up to qualifications. And they told Tiger Woods that his round was fine. They told him that you you um are are totally cool, man. Go sign your scorecard. So Tiger's like, okay, great. So then he ended up signing a scorecard, and then in an interview after, he was asked about the drop and admitted that uh, he told them basically that he wanted to drop the ball back, uh, you know, not in the same spot, but in the vicinity. But so then someone, a reporter, told Tiger Woods that that was then illegal. And then Augusta then had to, then they issued a penalty. Um, after the reporters and after everyone found out that, that, that what Tiger did was illegal. Um, so then many argued, oh, Tiger Woods should have disqualified himself after finding out the wrong score. He should have known. But honestly, Tiger didn't know, and Augusta National in the clubhouse didn't tell Tiger that he was doing anything wrong. So I thought Augusta handled it wrong. I thought they should have told Tiger he got a two-stroke penalty. Obviously, Tiger was tied for the lead after Friday, and my opinion is they didn't want any controversy around the world's greatest golfer and the most polarizing figure. Augusta did something that is very uncharacteristic. They put Tiger Woods and they put ratings ahead of the uh, ahead of the respect of the game or ahead of the um, the what's it word um, 
they they put it really ahead of the sportsmanship of the game, in my opinion. So I really think that Augusta didn't act properly. They should have told Tiger that he committed a penalty, and he should have um, taken a two-stroke penalty and signed the scorecard um, by getting a 75. So so that's what I believe that Augusta. I think Augusta really handled it weakly and gave him the Tiger treatment. Well, you know the nice thing about this show. The nice thing is that. We often disagree, we, we could, and, and that's what makes it fun, conflict. Uh, my opinion is different, and I also have some facts that you might not be aware of. Number one, the, the, the rules official doesn't work for the country club. He works for the PGA, Professional Golf Association. So it wasn't as if a member of Augusta uh, stacked the deck. Also, as you, I think you indicated, the way it came to the attention of everybody was that there was somebody watching on television on the video? It somehow noted the dr- the drop. So I don't know of any sport. It, it, you ever watch a basketball game and have a fan call in and have the referees change a decision? So this was a very bizarre occurrence in the sense that nobody realized there was a mistake until a, a fan called in who was watching on a video, probably a big high resolution frame by frame, looked at the divot and realized that. This was not an appropriate drop. And so then overnight, the, the, uh, the Tiger Woods' agent, Lee Steinberg, actually called him up and, and said, uh, guess what? You have to call the head rules official. They met. They discussed it. They looked at it. And so it was determined. And there is a rule, and they, there, there is a discretion now, so that it's not an automatic disqualification. So in this case... It wasn't if Tiger knowingly signed a wrong scorecard. It wasn't as if any... So ideally, if they brought that to his attention, he would have added the two strokes and then signed the scorecard. So I think it makes a lot of sense. It it virtually everybody that I saw uh, from the the, the pros, including Fred Couples, who's been around a lot, have agreed that this was an appropriate penalty. And as it turns out, if Tiger had the extra two strokes, it's unclear whether he could have had momentum to get in the playoff or whether it just seemed like he, he couldn't quite get over the hump. The, the time of this segment is certainly lapsed and we're also, no, actually. Uh, so the fact is, speaking of sense of time, my son has the best sense of time. So in that sense, we're, we're going to say thank you for listening to the second segment of Bruce the Sports Talk. Stay tuned. We'll be back in a flash. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine. Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injury. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. If you want to talk about the East Coast sports scene, particularly from the Southeast, make sure you tune in to the Jeff Owen Show every Tuesday. Yeah, we'll talk about some of the other teams and news that's out there, but host Jeff Owens and co-host Tasha Humphrey know the inside and out of the Georgia college sports world, and they were born there, raised there, and still live the scene. We'll talk about every sport imaginable. Tune in on Tuesday at 7 p.m. East Coast time, 4 p.m. in the West, on the Voice America Sports Channel. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left. to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. 
high school to the pros, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the third segment. You're listening to Bruce the Sports Doc on the Voice America Sports Network. Right now, we're still talking a lot about the Masters, as that is the big uh, sporting event at this time in April after the Final Four and after college basketball. It is a tradition unlike any other, and as golf fans, it's really a weekend where you tune into all four rounds. I mean, sitting there um, and watching in this day and age um, on uh, on color and high-definition television, uh, it's just Augusta is just an incredible sight to behold. And uh, it really is like golf nirvana out there um, in Augusta, Georgia, and just just how how the course is perfectly kept, perfectly manicured, and uh, how just the oak trees, the pine trees, just just an incredible, incredible um, golf facility. Um, so I think I've uh, expressed my love for Augusta. Now I want to get to the question that I was begging to ask at the end of the second segment. And this is something that I'm still a little bit confused about, but I'm sure that uh, my partner, Bruce the Sports Doc, that's what he's here for. We can openly discuss this and come to a conclusion so we can agree on something. My question is... When the officials, or the PGA officials, when they told Tiger, go ahead and sign your scorecard, they were completely naive that he held, that, that there was even a controversy on the 15th hole. They weren't worried about that at all. They weren't even thinking about that. They, they, it could have been on the 5th hole for all they knew. Is that correct? That's right. That, that is, there was a violation that nobody was aware of. And again, all reports are that somebody called in and a fan somehow was watching it on television reported this, and they really couldn't ignore it, so they rev- they re- they reviewed it. It turns out that where Tiger was was in a somewhat remote section. That is, you notice the fans were right or not right there. They're, they they he's obviously within view. There was no official right there, and when you look at it with, with again high resolution, you could see the divot mark, and you could see that the ball. It was, was not dropped close enough to the divot mark and therefore constituted a violation of the rules. And it, 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 and, and you asked Tiger, when did he f- find out about it? The next morning. That's when everybody found out about it. And of course, because Tiger was in contention and, and, and really remained in contention, it, it, it played, you know, fine throughout the four days that that two stroke penalty really, uh, you know, was germane, uh, for him at least to the outcome of the tournament. We uh, let's let's move on to the the other issue, the uh, the fourteen year old golfer from China, who was heroic to win the Asian Open a week before, and, and came to Augusta, speaking you know some English, but but you know, you could imagine what it'd be like even for grizzled veterans, that he was deliberate, he was playing. Um, I, I believe there were, the greens were very tricky, and he was given three warnings. And on the seventeenth hole, he was given a full stroke penalty for snow for slow play. So Spencer, understand the history of this. In the history of Augusta and the Masters, there was never a single player who was ever given a, a slow pe- slow play penalty. Not easy to say slow play penalty, especially while you're whistling and eating crackers. So to me, that's something I really feel was an injustice that this kid was essentially bullied. And that everybody rallied in his defense. Bed Crenshaw was playing with him, and Bed Crenshaw is certainly a gentleman who respects the integrity of the game. And you know, Fred Couples, Tiger Woods, virtually everybody was uh, was villainizing the official who who made the call. 
Yeah, I, I definitely uh, sympathize with the um, 14-year-old kid in that situation. It's uh, it's tough to come out to Augusta, of course, a very daunting task. T- to be fair to the officials, he was given warning, so it wasn't like out of the blue that they just said, uh, you know, like, bam, that's a penalty. They They said, come on now, can you please try to finish the holes faster? Can you please? So they told him two times. And, uh, of course it's harsh. You never want to see this happen to a kid. Uh, I guess he must have been playing a lot slower than anybody else has been in history. To get a couple warnings isn't easy either. Uh, I, I, of course you don't want to see that happen. I don't like the rule in general about slow play. Uh, maybe that's because I take five hours to play a round of golf. Um, but... You know, at the Masters, it's a very important golf tournament. I think you should let the players um, take their times to read the greens. And, uh, I mean, I don't think he he didn't play that poorly. And uh, since Crenshaw didn't mind, and I don't know if Manicero minded it, I would have let it go. But the rules officials did give him a couple warnings, so... I'm not completely against their decision to file the penalty because they did everything right. They took the proper steps in order to issue um, the penalty on this kid. I just think that the rule is not great in general. So I'm against the rule, but since it's there, I respect the integrity of the game. And, uh, and yeah, so that's my opinion on it. Well, just to give everybody the facts, the golfer's name is Tian Lang Guan. From China, age fourteen, and one of the one of the bright outcomes of the tournament was because he was the only amateur who qualified and made the cut. He also was was um, was given a trip to the Butler cabin and went along with Adam Scott. It actually was was part of the award ceremony as a low amateur. Another thing that was interesting is that he bounced back really nicely on Sunday after a disastrous day. On Saturday, he actually finished with a 75 and finished ahead of two guys named Peterson, Jay Peterson and C. Peterson. It's nice that the Petersons were nice enough to fill in the bottom. Kevin Na, one of my favorite players who, uh, yeah, he's, who, who I think had an 18 on one hole. And if you, if you guys want to watch something entertaining, and if you're a mere mortal like we are, yeah. if you want to see a professional player score 18. You can definitely relate to hitting trees, you know. We, we think we're invincible out there, but and I've definitely hit my fair share of trees and hit two-yard shots like Kevin has. Well, Kevin, you know, spent, you know, again, this is last year. Um, he's actually quite a good golfer. But as it turns out, when you put things in perspective, looking at it here, uh, this this little boy, Mr. Guan, basically played four rounds at the Masters and only lost by Keegan Bradley and Phil Mickelson by three strokes. Wow. So they finished nine over. So it's that's major, pretty – that's pr- champions. That is quite some company right there. So, uh, so, so really a, an unforgettable uh, tournament for the young man. And, you know, he's, he's an amateur. He's actually going back to eighth grade. He's probably having to go back to take his finals. And, um, and it seems like he's well grounded from, from interviews with him and his parents. He's not going to turn pro anytime soon. And it was just remarkable that he went from being an amateur in the Asian Open to playing in the Masters, uh, being the only amateur to make a cut and to have the hallowed, uh, visit to the Butler cabin at the end of the Masters with Adam Scott. And that's certainly an unforgettable experience. Yeah, I think his mom even uh, packed it. This just shows how young he is. His mom even packed him lunch, which was very cute. Uh, she gave him a Gatorade and I think a PB&J sandwich. Uh, w- w- would you like some Pringles or Lunchables if you were playing Augusta? What was your middle school snack, Dad? Well, as far as the answer to the lunch is... Uh, you're allergic to peanuts. You've never had peanut butter jelly. I'm just not. I'm not enthralled with that combination, and I would certainly want something more like a turkey and cheese sandwich. But moving on, uh, we we look ahead to the U.S. Open at Marion. We're right here in Philadelphia, and I want to let the listeners know we'll be directly covering the tournament all four days of the U.S. Open, which culminates on Father's Day, one of my favorite days. I get to spend with my family. And we'll be right here in Ardmore, Pennsylvania, the course I've played 
five separate times, which is Marion East. And this course will have some of the, sli- the slipperiest greens, some of the tightest fairways, and one of the mi- most historic venues in the, uh, in the world, actually. And one of the great situations is when you're striding up, you're walking up to the 18th, you know, walking up the 18th, and you see the plaque where Bobby Jones hit that famous one iron leading to the 18th hole for his victory in the 1950 U.S. Open. And also I recall being an older person than Spencer. I recall 1981 and actually attending the Open at Marion. And it was thought that the Marion would never return because it's a relatively short course. But they did everything. They got every inch out of the place to lengthen it. And even though it's a small venue and it's going to be very difficult to get around Philadelphia and to get around the suburbs with 25,000 people on this very small patch of land in this very tucked-in mainline area. It's certainly something we've been looking forward to, and and it seems that uh, June of 2013 can't come soon enough. So, again, we're at the end of this segment. In the next segment, we're going to talk sports medicine. We're going to talk Kobe Bryant, season-ending injury. Could it be a career-ending injury? Will the L.A. Lakers choose amnesty? And that is buy Kobe out, much like the Sixers bought out Elton Brand, and uh, and he moved on in his career. So there's much more left here in Bruce the Sports Talk. want to thank the listeners. Great segment coming up. We'll be back in three minutes. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injury. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. The Sports Mavericks show redefines the elite athlete by bridging the gap between parents, athletes, and the community. Host Ida Moyer, a.k.a. the Oprah of Sports, brings to the Voice America Network original programming, balancing the pursuit of academic excellence and sports participation. The Sports Mavericks show airs every Tuesday evening at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Listeners will be engaged in straightforward talk, spontaneous and unscripted by the experts. Ida and her guests will explore the challenges of success and failure in sports and will help athletes and their parents navigate the transition from high school, college, and then on to the pros. We put fun back into sports and recognize role models in sports through our Sports Mavericks All-Star Award Program. Tune in Tuesday evenings at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time with Ida Mouye and the Sports Mavericks Show right here on The Voice. Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the final segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger, and I'm with my co-host, Spencer the Wizard Grossinger. And I want to lead off this final segment by discussing one of the icons in the NBA, Kobe Bryant. 
had a devastating injury. He tore his his left Achilles tendon on Saturday, thereby ending his season. And he immediately went to have a. Uh, it was turned. It turned out he had a fully ruptured Achilles, which is called a grade three ruptured Achilles. He went for surgery, which is a repair, and the, the projected recovery is six to nine months. Firstly, as a sports doctor, neurologist, and one who also had the misfortune of tearing his own Achilles, I harken back to 1997. And one thing that's almost universal with a torn Achilles is it feels as if somebody else is, is whacking on the back of the ankle with a two-by-four piece of plywood. It's, it's shocking. It's a snapping sensation. And the immediate feeling is to think that, that, that somebody stepped on your ankle to look behind you. And that's exactly, exactly what happened to, to Kobe. The sense is... So let's take a look at the anatomy here. The Achilles tendon is a very strong fibrous cord that connects the muscles in the back of your calf to your heel. The big muscle is the gastrocnemius, which is the calf muscle. And there are other smaller muscles in the posterior compartment. And what happens, they all come down to form this tendon. And usually a ballistic motion, that is a springing, a jumping, a quick cut, is what causes the, the ruptured Achilles. And it's very unpredictable in the sense that Kobe Bryant himself you know, has uh, has landed on the foot, his left leg, same leg as Bruce the Sports Stock's Achilles tear, literally thousands of times. And why, on this one occasion, in a highly conditioned, well, you know, you know, well stretched out athlete, would just rupture the Achilles? And you know, so so he had the experience of rupturing the Achilles. The surgery is actually quite um, basic. And that the, the tendon, the portions of the tendon are actually sewn together and reconnected. When I had my tendon repair in, in 1997, I actually opted to, uh, to have it awake with a spinal anesthetic. And I was actually able to talk to my surgeon and I, uh, uh, I want to give him kudos, uh, Dr. James McGlynn from Crozier Chester Medical Center, uh, formal naval surgeon, excellent golfer in his own right, did a beautiful job. And now I'm here, uh, so many years later, uh, with having fully rehabilitated the leg. But I can tell you, and you can look at other athletes such as Ryan Howard, who is uh, still playing in slow motion for the Philadelphia Phillies and still hitting below the Mendoza line, that this is a devastating injury. You're, you're in a cast for several months, then you're in a walking boot. The reason the Achilles heal, the, the reason the tendon is so slow to heal is that it is inherently a, a rather avascular structure. What does that mean? It means that there's very poor circulation, and therefore the healing process is extremely slow, like a glacier. And also, the necessary immobilization, when you've had the repair of the Achilles, what they do is they cast you in what's called plantar flexion. That is, in order to relieve tension, they have the, the toe of the foot, you know, uh, for, as forward as possible, and we call that plantar flexion. And what that does is that that relieves the tension on the back of the heel, and as part of the rehabilitation process, you literally have months of regaining dorsiflexion. Dorsiflexion is when you bring the foot up, and so you gradually recondition the Achilles during the recuperation process. The calf muscle completely atrophies, and so. The two big hurdles in rehabilitation of Achilles ruptures are, number one, trying to restore range of motion to the Achilles tendon itself, and secondly, to try to restore power and bulk to the calf muscle on the affected side. So we've got Kobe Bryant, age 35, who's looking at a good year before he's going to be able to return to play. Let's talk again about the recuperation. Kobe will spend approximately 12 weeks in a cast and then will begin passive range of motion, active range of motion, and over time will eventually be able to get back to walking, walking on a treadmill, riding a bike, and then finally running.
And the last stage of the recuperation will be ballistic training where he's able to, to jump and land. And in looking at Ryan Howard, w- one of the, uh, the challenges for him was not only that he became weak in this calf, but also his hamstrings became tight and weak. And, you know, Ryan Howard is traditionally a, uh, a slow starter. But, you know, this year he played with the Phillies. He's over, he's over a year past his Achilles tear, and he's still, he's still struggling to get back to form. I'd like to flip to the NFL injury update. We've been following this story for the last year. Rob Gronkowski, all-pro tight end, has had yet another complication with respect to his left forearm. You recall that he's had multiple fractures and multiple surgeries. The left forearm is now infected again. And pending a fourth surgery, he's now taking antibiotics, and it will probably, as of April 11th, as reported by the Boston Herald, Gronkowski will wait a few more weeks until the infection clears in order to have another surgery. And again, we're talking about somebody with multiple infections, multiple surgeries, hardware, plates and screws, and it could take at least another 10 weeks for Gronkowski to recover after the surgery. And so it's anybody's guess how many games Gronkowski will be able to play for the New England Patriots. And when you have one limb with so many injuries, it's really tragic because uh, Gronkowski is an excellent player. And, um, and this left forearm continues to plague him. So we, we give you that injury update. I'd like to close the show where we began. Prayers for all the victims of the two bomb blasts at the Boston Marathon. You've all heard about the story. Within seconds, two, two bombs went off approximately 100 yards apart at the finish line of the Boston Marathon, which was otherwise a festive day, Patriots Day. Clear skies. Boston Red Sox game. Over 25,000 to run over 25 miles. The oldest and most revered marathon. Shattered by the cowardly acts of perhaps a few. So as we go to air, we wish the best to all the victims and their families. We want to thank all the listeners for tuning in to Bruce the Sports Doc and Spedge the Wizard. Have a great week. We'll be back we'll be back next week for another edition of Bruce the Sports Doc. Thanks for joining the discussion this week on Bruce the Sports Doc. Tune in next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with Dr. Bruce Grossinger on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll see you then. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.